This week on 43 Feet, I'm doing something just a little different. I'm giving you a sneak peek into a new podcast that Dredd and I are launching called the Minivan Centurion. It's not an F3 podcast, so it won't live in this stream, but I thought you should have a chance to hear it first. So here's a sneak preview of the Minivan Centurion. Enjoy. Oh, and don't worry. 43 Feet will be back just like regular next week. By all accounts, we're rolling. You know, uh, we're back in the Higgy. Huga. Huga. I get that wrong all the time. We just met the owner of the Huga, whose name is Bart Lancaster. Uh, Turd Ferguson. Turd Ferguson. Garrett Dinchy. Uh, <laughs> what? His name is Garrett. But Garrett. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Garrett, like a uh, a smallish apartment in a city? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. His youngish guy looked like a, a millennial. Yes. And is the owner of this entire facility. Yes. Which is a what I call a millennial workspace. Yeah, oh, very yeah, much. Skinny yeah. jeans and, and companionship. 100%. I'm wearing flip-flops right now. Right. And uh, as part of it, you have access to this podcast room, which is excellent. It is. It's a very nice podcast room. Back in the old the old podcast days, uh, you would come to my suite of offices in the farming village of Cotswold, set yeah. up your equipment, which we call the Claire. Yes. And you're in the mobile podcast studios of Dark Helmet. We would podcast there. But uh, then, I think starting with your uh, yeoman efforts to uh, ter- make a, a, a verbal version, like a, uh, a e- Yes, that's I, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, what yeah. do we call that? The, it's the audio book version audiobook of the Q-Source. The version of the Q-Source. We started doing it here, and uh, I like it here. It's a good spot. It's a, it's it's an a good spot. spot. And, it's, and it's, it's set up right away. You know, you just have to walk in, turn it on kind of thing, rather than messing right. with a bunch of cables That's and all right. that kind of crap. So it's kind of nice. Uh, and uh, as things go, collision learner that I am, um, I was fascinated that we uh, had this schedule, but we thought we couldn't use it because <laughs> some jamoke had used this podcast studio <laughs> and gotten very drunk and thrown uh, or spilled champagne all over the the, uh, yeah, the, the mixing board the mixing board the and shorted it out yeah so uh because we were so partial to this particular room despite the fact that the roadcaster 5000 was not available yeah you just re- brought the claire out i couldn't bring myself to not be in this room so and i we just drug it all in here. but in that moment the uh uh hilariously garrett yeah. G- garrett came in with the replacement the replacement uh, motherboard uh, boom. Roadmaster Pro. And uh, we had five minutes and he put it together. I was like, that's all pretty fascinating. But it reminded me of this economic theory, uh, the originator of, I cannot recall, but called the tragedy of the commons. Of the co- tragedy commons, of the commons. Okay. Which, you know, which means that if in a village, this is the... Okay, uh, okay, sure. Right? Sure, sure. You, you probably didn't know that I was an economics major in college, did you? Uh, no, I did not. It seems like an unlikely major for yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> since I have no interest in money. But the... Uh, <laughs> It was that was my major, and uh, but economics, at least the way I was taught it, was very much based on stories. Well, that's the thing, right? Real economics, there's money involved, right? It is somewhat about money, but really, it's about resource. And so, there's always stories that go with the sure. resource to point up the principles of how this all works. That's right, right. resource yeah. allocation yeah. And, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, true economics, like uh, you know, the economists, there's econometrics, mm-hmm. which is very formulaic and based on data and graphs and all that stuff, which it tends to be somewhat dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's more of the kind of story, I guess, metaphorical yeah. uh, economics, and that are things like Penn's Parade and Tragedy of the Commons, but they use a situation uh, to which people can identify to tell more like a almost an economical parable about the way people behave. Okay, and these tend to be more towards the microeconomics, which is how okay. the yeah, behavior of individuals, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, the elasticity curve and all that, rather than uh, macroeconomics, which is the movement of money overall, macro, right? right? right. So you know, supply and demand, prices born, 
So, uh, so the commons in a village being like the common areas. Yeah. Like the, so let's take a small village, uh-huh. you know, like the village of Cotswold, right? right. And uh, people own their own parcel. You know what we sure, in law sure. would call Green Acre. Like I own Green Acre. That's my yeah. ownership of it. I have the right under North Carolina law to exclude you and Green Acre from Green Acre or anyone else I choose to exclude because it's private property. Right. You know. Um, so that's that's the way private property works. Now in the village of Cotswold, there are common areas. In fact, in my neighborhood, there is a uh, kind of a, a green a strip between the roads that is probably thirty or forty feet wide. Okay. And is uh, got a trail on it, nice little stream. You know, whatever, sure. hang out, whatever. Yeah. And um, people sometimes throw trash there, or let their dogs poop there, and do all sorts of things they'd never do in their own yard, right? Because that's the way people treat uh, the common area. That's the tragedy of the commons, yes. and it's what in economics we call an externality. I mean, it's something that you know it 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 is inflicted uh, as a cost on everyone involuntarily. So we all bear the externality, the cost of the tragedy of the commons, and it's not applied to the people equally or whoever causes right. it. So your most classic externality, of course, is pollution, air pollution. Oh, right? sure. Okay. That's right. So uh, in the start of the Industrial Revolution, uh, industrialists were pumping out all this bad right. stuff into the right. air. It made their products cheaper because they weren't compelled to, you know, they could just do that. Sure. And uh, because of that, they the people bore the cost to a degree involuntarily. Hmm. So anyway, that's what it reminded me of. Um, and that is something, of course, at the heart of what we usually are are battling about in any municipality or any community. Oh, yeah. It's like how to assess common parts, how to assess that. That's why every neighborhood Facebook page in America is (laughs) blown up. That's right. (laughs) I mean, there are lawyers. I get a bunch of them. Yeah. But there are lawyers who who are primarily focused on HOA cases. Really? Homeowner association cases. I'm sure they do very well. That's right. So, you know, your classic condominium, the reason it is a condominium is because no one owns the dirt. Right. So a condominium, the ownership of a condominium is from the walls inward. Yeah. Whereas you say a townhouse, it's you own vertically from right. the dirt all the way up to the ceiling and above. So uh, the common area, the dirt, you know, in other areas that are common to the condominium, mm-hmm. they're owned collectively, and those are the ones that are usually fighting. Everybody's fighting about. Yeah. Like the pool. And, yeah. Nobody you know, owns this. Nobody owns this, and a roof and all that. But we all own it. That's right. So uh, you know, while that was a legal fiction to create a con- condominium, that got away from the idea of everyone owning Green Acre, made things cheaper. Sure. Right, because there's collective sharing of collective costs, the externalities could be uh, applied more broadly and evenly across the board. While that was so, it also created a whole new problem, which is the tragedy. Which is the tragedy of, of the, the commons. commons. Right. right. All that to say, some jerk spilled champagne on our board because he didn't care. Because he didn't care. Because right. it wasn't his. Right. It wasn't yeah. his. Uh, yeah. He just didn't apply the same level of care right. that he would have if he if, if he owned if it. If he owned it. Yeah. So it was interesting to see and listen to a millennial recognizing the tragedy of the commons. Yeah. For him. You know, he. Um, I mean, this is his whole. Of course, shtick. I'm imputing to him this because this shtick of Higgy is so, so much a common oh, yeah, area, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and there's signs up all over the place saying, like, "Remember, it's right. all better if we all work together on this." That's right. We all wash our dishes because it's better for everybody. You right. know that kind of thing. And that that kind of sign you won't find on someone's individual Green Acre because they don't have to tell them. Because I'm not telling you about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, you know, on Green Acre, Dad says, "You live by my rules while you're under my roof." Yeah. In the common area, you can't say that, can you? You have no. to. You have to. Not your roof. You have my to. Roof, you so have roof. to appeal to people's better nature. Yeah. Which doesn't work because we're fallen. That's we or, right. <laughs> or you have to divine divine a system of 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 carrots and sticks, right. mostly sticks, to punish them. Yeah. Right. That's, well, that's the only way because you, you can't incentivize those to whom you are not proximate nope. or to whom there is no ownership. Uh, because if you don't, I mean, you're the only one owning something. So this is right. all his equipment, right? right? So he right. cares. Of course, he cares. Well, it's him, right? But he can't 
do anything about. In fact, while we were here, he was remarking about ways to um, incentivize people through cost, right? He was going to increase the fees and things like that. And I was listening to it. I was like, it's so funny. It's like when one of my own kids is like, it's something's not fair. And they start thinking like a capitalist, right? You know, like if my kid makes some money, I was like, I should share this. When my kid started, you know, lemonade stands or something, I say, oh, how much money did you make? I made $3. I was like, share it with your sister just to see. Right, right. And I'm like, wow, she didn't work. That's my money. I'm like, yeah, but we all share, right? She goes, no, I made this. I was like, (laughs) all right, capitalist. Kids get it. But it was funny (laughs) to see a young millennial. Yeah. Like learning about capitalism through and the tragedy of the commons through reality. Yeah. Because, you know, this all of, uh, you know, there was a day when I was a very idealistic young, I don't know what we called ourselves back in the eighties, but I, I saw the world through that lens too. Sure. And then banged my face against reality collision learner style and said, Oh, well, you know, I, the, all these ideals I have are fine, but you know, reality is what it is. The human nature has never changed. Franklin, nothing has ever changed under the sun. That's my belief. I've I've heard that before. Yeah, I say it a lot. It seems yeah. like there's a place where I, I've maybe even read it. Might be in the Bible. Yeah. Could might be. be a, Ecclesiastes. Might be Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Solomon, somewhere in there. Solomon, you know, uh, I love Solomon writing Ecclesiastics at the end of his life, um, having lived all these these times and have had access to try anything he wants. He's the right. original collision learner, yeah. you know, because he... Uh, he encountered reality, right? You know, yeah. it's like he could literally do anything, but not everything was good, right? Right. Many things were were not good. Many things didn't work. And interestingly enough, although that was written, I mean, five thousand years ago, the things that he discovered that were not good are the same things that we so, now so, discover are not good. are not good. And the things that he discovered were good were are coincidentally the things that we now know. As as are good. I mean, the primary 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 thing that Solomon discovered was that it all starts with your wife, right? You know, Crazy, right? yeah, that's right. right. That's right. That, yeah, you know, he's like, here's a man with you know thousands of concubines and wives right. and all this stuff, and he's, he's like, huh? Uh, and he's like, huh? This didn't work. And, and he says, enjoy life with your wife. You know, I mean, that, that <laughs> like, wait a minute, right? Wait a Mr. minute, Mister. I don't have but one. I have millions, that, that, many, many. That's right. So you know, he discovered through collision learning an eternal truth. That he passed on, um, wrote it down on a clay tablet or a, you know, a animal skin or whatever they were using at the time, right. and uh, that's been passed through through generations and generations and generations, till now, five thousand years later, you know, we read it and go, oh, man, Solomon was right, man. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Was right. Was um, right. So, with with kind of a nod then to uh, our, our old other podcast of Forty Three Feet. Should we roll the open now? Is there going to be an opening though? Well, there's going to be an opening. Okay. See, now this is funny. Uh, Pod Paxers, can we still say that? Before I say it's that, it's not trademarked because this is not part of the F three family of podcasts, is it? Uh, there are there are those there are those who would like it to be, uh, but it, it is not. When uh, the darkliest of all helmets and I uh, embarked on the forty three foot part podcast. We're trying to fill a hole, right? Right. A uh, cultural hole. Yeah, we right? just said there's got to be a way to disseminate this that's information right. to men that's in right. an effective way. And, and I have right. to say, uh, I've greatly enjoyed, uh, I promise I'm going to let you roll the opening. I just, no, I've, no. I've greatly enjoyed uh, Kitty resurrecting the substantive portions of those podcasts. Yeah. And one thing I'm greatly gratified about is, uh, I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying they're consistent. Oh, uh, yeah. I, in fact, I was listening to Contentment this week, and... Um, I think we laid it down about two years ago, and um, it Probably, yeah. you know before the pandemic and oh all yeah, that stuff. No, that's true. Gosh, and, and, yeah, and like all this stuff has happened in the ensuing two years, and I'm like, 
I'm still saying those things. Still holds up. Darkness is still saying those things. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it holds up. And, I, you know, it, again, being wrong is one thing, or being right is one thing, but being consistent is, uh, is a blessing in itself. So with that, let us be consistent and go ahead and roll the opening. And, and we're, we're back. back. Oh. <laughs> we're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Who is the minivan centurion? He's not simply a husband, father, and a good neighbor, although he is all of those things. He's also the coarse twine that holds the fabric of our community together, fighting to keep us united in the face of those who would split us apart. Most importantly, the minivan centurion is the special trustee of the legacy of liberty, which has been passed through generations of tired and bloody hands from the original men who first founded and then fought to build this nation. The Minivan Centurion is you. He's me. He's every man who lives third, holds the middle, and seeks to stay in the fight. The darkness and I good. have not uh, been on a podcast in a couple of years. No. No. A year. Anyway. I don't know. A long time. Been, been a long time. Long time. Uh, it's been <laughs> a long time. But yet, we still have the rhythm. Well, of, we didn't uh, stop being friends. It's so funny because we would even like, and uh, Pax, when we would listen or folks, I don't know. Do we? It's, well, it's again, a, it's going to be a three okay. Podcast. Well, this is it's not a it's not a this three is podcast, not part this is, of the yeah. family of podcasts. By which, let me throw a, let me throw a uh, quick promo uh, out for the F3 family of podcasts, which yes. is fascinating now under the guiding hands of of Kitty, right? Yeah, hello, Kitty. Yeah, attributing yeah. this to him is the correct thing. Oh, 100%. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under the guiding hands of Kitty, we are now blessed with a uh, podcast six days a week. Yeah. Six of seven days on the seventh day we shall rest. Yep. It's uh, it's amazing what he's done, and uh, I listen to all of them. I guess a couple of them aren't even out yet. Uh, no, that's true. Like yeah, the, yeah. the Bones. Yeah, Bones focus is starting on, I think next week health, or something. Right? Yeah. Focus on Hunt, Hunt for Wellness. Hunt for Wellness is Hunt not out wellness. yet. So, yeah. But I've been greatly enjoyed... Bones's um, evolving, yeah, you know, segments on yeah. the COT, which have been freaking great. But started out with this kind of scratchy call, like he was driving down the road. In his well, that's yards. exactly what it was. And he, it's so funny. So I went. Uh, we had a charity uh, skeet shooting event yesterday with a bunch of guys, and uh, Bones was there. And uh, we all went and got a, uh, you know, uh, went afterward after we were done to get like an adult beverage, that right. sort of thing. Right. Uh, hashtag club soda. I gotcha. Um, and. Uh, and and Bones was there, and, and so he and I were just you know talking about different things, and and the podcast came up his you know his uh, imminent you know podcast, right. and he was like you know it's so funny that he just sort of was like this I love this this uh, cot idea you know because this was a year ago or right, something right, like that, right right and he was like you know they're letting me call in so it was he was like I was so nervous he apparently had the idea to call in from day one and it took him like three months God, so funny. to get up the, the the nerve to call in because he's like, now it's gonna he's be terrible always... it's gonna be stupid no one's gonna listen to it they're right. all gonna think I'm a weirdo and then after like the first two times he did it Kitty was like you have to be a regular segment you have right. to be a regular segment right. and then he kept amping it up and amping it up now look he's like you know what you gotta have your own podcast yeah and that's, here we are that's the way it works I yeah. mean uh, so quick uh, F3 uh, history when we started the original website, mm-hmm. and this is maybe August of 20, 2011, so you know, 10 years ago, oh, yeah. we had a section called The Butcher's Word, and we had several guys who were going to write regular really? uh, pieces about um, book reviews, movie reviews, music reviews, and beer reviews. 
Uh-huh. And it lasted for a little while. Uh, but they, you know, lost interest and we just didn't follow through on it. But uh, the reason why that had uh, started that way is OBT and I both thought that capturing, you know, letting guys harness what they're going to do anyway. Right. And letting them harness that and, like, have a place and outlet out for that was great. It just, you know, the medium wasn't correct. Yeah. That was the main thing yeah. because it's, uh, and I can attest to this, it's far more difficult to sit down and write 500 to 1,500 oh, words. Way more. Than it is to, to sit here and blather on. Sit here and blather on. So um, not that that's necessarily easier, easy too. I mean, guys who do it well, like Kitty and Repito, are uh, are gifted in my mind. Yes. You know, uh, or the nation's uh, Grantan, who is a great question asker. I mean, right. gets guys going and just yeah. you know, has the uh, patience and lack of uh, pride and ego that yeah, allows him to, to listen to the answer and sometimes yeah. take notes. Well, it's funny because, you know, we always say most people, you know, listen to respond. That's right. And, and he actually listens. Band listens to listen. So, uh, you know, we just had the wrong medium because it was, that was asking too much of guys to like cranking yeah. out these. Well, and it was, it was kind of before it's time. It was before it's time. Yeah. But so now we are literally at that place where when I was listening to, to uh, Kitty describe it and Rapido describe it, how they were going to do this mm-hmm. uh, and how it's already really happening and the various elements of it. I was like. Oh, man, that was that's really the idea where we had uh, years ago, but it didn't work because we did it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but now here it is working. Yeah. Because I mean, t- the idea that guys can say like Bones, who's a medical doctor, right? Uh, chiropractor. Chiropractor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so he's a DDO or whatever you call chiropractor. Yeah. Uh, he's a medical provider, a yeah. healthcare guy. Um, for him to have this outlet for you know this advice that he wants to give, yeah, is awesome. It's crazy. It's crazy good, right? And uh, very helpful because I've listened to everything he said. You know, oh, so yeah. sometimes I'll be like, eh. "Oh, but almost all the time I try it." You know, if it's triable, and like, I'm not going to stay out of the sun. I think he had one of those where he said, uh, "He yeah, may have said, he yeah. may have said that." Yeah, yeah. You know, but there's, it's not going to be. You know, I mean, at least you, you know, you get a guy throwing out this, throwing out some knowledge. You yeah. know, and it goes back to that Tommy Boy joke, right? I can get a good look at a T-bone by ramming my head up a cow's ass, right. or I can take the butcher's word for it, right? Yeah, right. So it's a trusted friend who provides uh, unique knowledge about something that interests him greatly. It's yeah. something about which he has. And unlike the, uh, the f- uh, I hope that, well, you know what, I don't care. It sounds judgmental and that's because it is, but uh, unlike the guys, you know, like super obese chiropractor or a super, uh, like a, there's a guy I'm going to physical therapy for my knees and there's right. a guy there that is, if he's every bit of 450 pounds. Right. And right. I'm like, I don't know if I trust you with my health <laughs> looking at you. Sure. Bones a bad advertisement is a it. specimen. Right. I mean, the guy's a absolute. I mean, he he lives what he preaches. Right. I mean, he absolutely does it all the way. So it's, so, it's pretty cool too. You know, there you go. It's yeah. all uh, it's all coming to fruition. So, but that, that's not why we're here. That's not why we're here. But I wanted to lay down that foundation for yeah. why we're here. So, uh, as some of you will know, Podpacker's listening to this. Yeah. Um, I've written a few books. The first one in conjunction with OBT, which is Free to Lead, Free to Lead Two, coming at you soon. Second one, which is Q Source. Yep. Which uh, people have uh, honored me by reading and commenting on. The third one is a legal kind of version of the Q source, which no one has read and probably no one ever will, but <laughs> I forced the, some uh, litigators somewhere. So I forced the litigators in my firm to read it, uh, but <laughs> it is currently not like, published. Yeah, it's, it's great. Right? It's really it's, great. Uh, yeah. It's, it's as esoteric as could be. Right. But uh, it helped me to write it down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I'm not really expecting anybody to be jumping all over that. Now this fourth book that I'm, uh, embarking on, which I am probably 80 pages or so into right now, is called okay. The Credo of the Minivan Centurion. And it arises from um, this uh, just 
brief passage at the very end of Free to Lead where uh, we describe uh, me being in Freedom Park mm-hmm. on a particular day and my children asking me why there's no police there. Yeah. Because they had been in other parks and seen police officers there. And I said, well, you know, I'm trying to come up with a reason. In my, yeah. Oh, my, they're busy. They've yeah, got other things to do. One of my daughters says, well, we have the daddies. Yeah. Um, the police are at the parks where there are no daddies, which is true. It, yes, it is true. And right. I've, I've tearfully read that at the end of yeah, workouts before, just, but yes. Right. So it's, it's true. Uh, so th- that, that uh, we extrapolate that into the idea. I remember looking around when my kids said that. And the main guy, it's funny, I don't think I actually wrote this, but the main guy I could see was TML. I'm not sure that I really wrote that. So the Mighty oh. Lance, who is the, the currently the weasel shaker for, you know, the COO, COO of, yeah. the, of the entire organization and a member of my shield lock. And, and if you've ever met the Mighty Lance, he lives up to that nickname. I mean, he's just a striking yeah. figure of a guy. He looks he looks like just an old school Roman centurion, right? Yeah, shaved head, just you know, ripped. Strong guy. John. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah. a Very solid fit. dude. And I can attest uh, because we're in close relationship. You know, just tremendously solid guy from top to bottom. So yeah. I remember looking across, and he was coaching soccer at the time, and I was coaching one of my kids. But I just saw him, and I was like, man, <laughs> if the bad guys come to freedom, they're gonna have a lot to contend with. Not just him, but I could see three or four other guys mm-hmm. like on the fields. You know, if if there was a threat to the children there, that we would lock shields, and that's where the idea of lock shielding, shield lock, came from. From was that, that expression, from that too. moment, because I had been watching or reading rather um, uh, the Uhtred novels. You know, Uhtred of Babenberg. It's all about the Brits fighting off the Vikings. Okay, and it's been um, turned into a television series called The Last Kingdom. Uh, oh, which is one have, of yeah, which is one of the books. That, but yeah. you know, the idea is the Vikings are trying to invade England and the Danes, rather, you know, and they're trying to invade England and they just about take over the whole place. And there's this last kingdom, Wessex or whatever it is, that, that fights them off. You know, and the way they fought back then was the shield lock. They locked their shields. Right. Like every battle was a shield lock. And so. all of us have seen the movies now. We kind of yeah, we get the right. idea pretty easy. Yeah, you've seen it. Any yeah. you know the three hundred is like any, yeah, you know anything yeah. like that. So same thing. So the idea of the shield lock and the minivan centurion arose from that. You know we are like the centurions of old, who were the basically the company commanders in the Roman mm-hmm. army. Mm-hmm. You know the guys who had about eighty guys. You know right. they were they were where the rubber met the road. Right. If you're going to kill somebody, kill the centurion because then those eighty guys would be would be out a leader. Right. The centurion of the Roman army had a far broader mandate, uh, remit. He was not only obligated to take care of his men in battle, but their training. Mm-hmm. He's also obligated to care for their families. He, in fact, kept a portion of their pay because this is the way they did it. So they, they held back a portion of the Roman soldier's pay. And then when the guy retired, they returned it with interest. Oh, you know, so it, it was well, very well, pension. It was, yeah, because they yeah. knew they, you know, the average guy was a knucklehead. You know, and the sure. guy would just spend all his money on on whatever you. So spend. he it, same thing. So spend your money on today, well, right? Yeah, but I would say it's a that that level of stewardship, though. Right, is right, is right. kind of what we're right. What we're so about. the concept the guys who of, run toward danger. Right, exactly. Yeah. So the concept of the centurion being not just a warrior, mm-hmm. but also a man who plays a, a significant leadership role within the community. Yeah. He's, he's key. That The centurion was a, was a key figure in it. Of course, centurions appear in these odd places in the Bible. There was a centurion at the foot of the uh, cross when Jesus's body, right. like when the, when the curtain is torn, who says, oh, he, Holy, tr- this, he was the son, son of God. God. <laughs> you know, there's a centurion who comes to Jesus while he's still alive and says, you know, I have a, 
um, a servant who's dying, but if, if you say so, he'll live. And Jesus says, so be it, he'll live. And then turns to the disciples and says, truly, there's no man yeah, of greater that's faith. That's a lot of faith. That's, yeah. There's no man of greater faith, you know, here. And then finally, there's a centurion that Peter is sent to, and then he has this vision that he's supposed to be, eat anything and go to all the all the Gentiles. But right. he right, does that in the centurion's house. Was, uh, was Naaman a centurion? Who? Naaman? That, yeah. No, I don't think he was. Okay. He was wasn't he, he a, was a... Was he a general? He was a general. I guess he was, but he wasn't an Israelite. I believe that was pre-Roman. Ah, uh, okay. He was the guy with the, all the uh, the lesions, yeah, right? He, well, he had yeah he had leprosy, right? he had leprosy. So, yeah. Right. yeah, he it, was. I, I couldn't remember if it was. Yeah. He was an Assyrian. Ah, uh, okay. An okay. Assyrian. Okay. So yeah, the, yeah. the Assyrian Empire being the one that took down the northern part of Israel at the time, uh, what they call Israel. Got it. Not Judea. So, but a similar idea, soldier who's well, faith. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's yeah. why it popped into my head. I was like, I'm, I remember. Yeah, right. I may have that wrong. I, I think I'm right anyway, that. So, but the idea of this centurion, you know, has always like been at the back of my mind, you know, this guy. And if you saw the uh, HBO miniseries Rome, mm-hmm. there was a, it was the main character was a centurion okay. who was always in battle because here's the deal about a centurion. You were the, you know, you're not in the Senate. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, no ivory tower. No ivory tower. You're generally going to be drawn. I actually think it might have been a rule. You're drawn from the ranks. In other words, you are a common soldier, but you have uncommon gifts. And there's a list of those uh, requirements, those characteristics that are set out in like Roman military documents. Like you, okay. had to, you had to be able to throw your spear farther than anybody else. You had to have great. You know, you'd be at least 30 years old. It's, it's like applying to the cadre academy. It, it really is. It's very yeah. it's very similar to that. So you are, in a sense, part of the cadre, right? Yeah. So, and then the, the century, that's why they call it that, uh-huh. of 100 men, even though it was 80, is built around you. And the centurion is one of the few uh, leadership positions that were based totally on merit. I mean, politics didn't matter. They were above and up outside of politics. But also, if they had a problem in a legion somewhere, like in Gaul, which is mm-hmm. basically France, Germany, mm-hmm. they would take a centurion out of Judea and send him to Gaul. Oh, like, really? Yeah, we, we're, you know, the th- this this legion is suffering because they have bad leadership, so we're going to take some centurions from so, somewhere else. Dave, that all sounds wonderful. And now we've gotten a history lesson on centurions. Sorry that, about that. What does that have to do with us? Okay, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, uh, you like that? Before we started this podcast, Dark's Dark's like, so how do I? I was like, well, you need to get me out, keep me focused. <laughs> you know, it's like, you, just do what you used to do. Do you what know, you used to like, do. Keep me on yeah, three. Yeah. Like, so the, the idea of the centurion to me is, uh, I, this is you know, I have made nothing up in my life. You know, I remember there was this Joseph Wambaugh novel, The New Centurions. Do you remember that? No. They I made it into a movie, but it was about police officers okay. in L.A. who, um, you know, they were, yeah, they had to keep the they had to keep right, the keep peace, peace in the seventies. Yeah. It's an interesting book, but this centurion thing I read it when I was a kid, and I was like, "Wow, man!" It appealed to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had political aspirations. I've always like aspired to be in the community and be a solid dude, right? Yeah, like I'm a I'm a company grade officer, as we would put it. You're right. I'm yeah. a, I mean, you know, that's where I am. I'm, you know, I just don't have the political mindset nor the skill or articulation to be successful in that role. You know, I'm just a grinder, right? Yeah. So I've always been drawn to that and always been fascinated by this idea of the of the company company commander, the, the centurion. So uh, taking that and applying it to how we have to live our lives today um, as minivan centurions, right? Because yeah. we drive minivans, right? That, that was no the chariots. Deal. Yeah, that was the deal of the centurion is he had a family. You know, he okay. he was a professional soldier, but most of them were married with kids and their family. You know, he had to care for his family. He had to care for the families of his men. Mm-hmm. And that's why he appealed to Jesus to save his servant. And that was part of what he did. I mean, and that's 
those are the men that hold every community, every group, every nation together. Ultimately, they're the men in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, that hold the middle, right? They're they're they have a political party or whatever, but politics aren't what drive them. They understand the exercise of power, but seeking power isn't what keeps them awake at night. Right. They know that you need money. They need money to be able to provide, but making money and, and hoarding it isn't what that's they're about. That's not interesting. That's yeah. right. So that's what much interesting. It's like, that's what, not what they're... That's what I mean. It, that doesn't hold their interest. That's in that right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So they are kind of the glue of the community in that sense, you know, the foundation or whatever it is. And my belief, uh, which I believe that you share, is that that person is under attack right now in our culture. Agreed. And, you know, you, they couch it in a variety of different ways, call it the patronomy, toxic masculinity, whatever you want. You call it whatever you want, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you, 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 don't, you can't turn on too many TV shows or commercials and not see the, the father right. as portrayed comically with a little bit of, you know, hostility. Yeah. Comic hostility, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, my wife and I call it the according to Jim syndrome. You know, yeah, like, right. According yeah. to Jim is a, He's just a, a good big example. Dumb right? idiot. You know, yeah. and if you're King of Queens or almost any of sixty as I am, you can actually remember the shift from the kind of benevolent father figure of the Brady Bunch to mm. the dubious father figure of Archie and and all in the family. <laughs> yeah, right. With a brief um, pause with Bill Cosby. Okay. Yeah. But I think yeah, that yeah. had other political motivations, but ever, you know, really he was the last one. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, now it's the idea, the the institution of fatherdom mm-hmm. is under attack. And therefore manliness in general. Manliness and masculinity yeah. in general, right? What yeah. being a man is all about. And um of course, a guy my age and you p- might be able to share this can recognize this as a a thing that goes back and forth as a trend. You know, sure. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we had this discussion. Um, there was a, a any number of things you read in the news, right? Um, but uh, my mother in law and you know my wife's side of the family and stuff were they were very very worried about this thing and and it was it was big. Actually, it was I'll just go ahead and say it was the uh, when when uh, the guys charged the Capitol, right? The January 6th yeah, uh, thing. January yeah. 6th, yep. And and I got pretty mad uh, about some things uh, surrounding that. And her kids were, I mean, they were like coming apart. They're like, this is it. America's over, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Right. And she, to her credit, was like, eh, you know, yes, it's bad. Sure. This is not something we want. But this, this is the sort it of happened thing. And it happened this is in, the sort of thing that happens. It happened in the 60s. Yeah. That, that's it, what she said. She's like, this, it, yeah. this kind of thing happened. It's happened before. But, but, but and we were talking right before we started recording, though, we have a whole set of people who, uh, yeah, older-ish, you know, right. maybe not as old as you. But, right, right. Um, no, but, you know, guys my age are a little older and, you, and your generation as well, where we kind of, we go, yeah, I mean, is the intensity up a little bit maybe in some areas? Sure. Yeah. You know, but like, is this, is this brand new? Is this like, oh my gosh, nothing like this has ever happened before and, and we've never before. seen it. Yeah. It constantly happens and right. it goes in cycles. It goes in cycles. And, and if you, if you read history and follow history and, and really if you read scripture and follow scripture, like the cycles are there, they, they're, they're documented. You can read about them. Right. And it's pretty, right. pretty obvious, but, but we have a whole generation of guys now who, like we were talking about before we started, you were saying, you know, these, some younger guys come along they don't have a, a valuable or, or, or meaningful recollection of these things. It was sure. before their time. Right. 
Sure. If you're 25 yeah. right now, so you, and if you're like, let's say you're become aware of things when you're 10 or so. Right. That means they came aware of things 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> in 2006, right? Which, yeah, we've you know, lived a lot of life, life by then. Right. So you, they don't, in 2006, you know, you're in the post 9 11. Um, George Bush um, was being called a Nazi mm-hmm. and a warmonger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the economy was a couple years away from imploding. Oh, yeah. And uh, things were pretty bad. So if you're 25, I have to always remind myself of this when I'm talking to 25 year old guys that mm-hmm. that this is to them this is the state of affairs. Right. To me, it's a swing of the pendulum. Yes, yeah, it's the tail end of the cycle. That's like we're right. Just, we're coming around again. Don't right. worry. That's right. And um, I don't blame them for questioning who they are and what it is they're supposed to do, because culturally, they're the skin into which they have been born mm-hmm. is under attack by the culture, um, really the, the nature of their being is under attack. Like whether or not having a penis means you're a man anyway. Right. Actually, if you're going to question whether or not having a penis makes you a man, then certainly you're going to question whether or not there's what a man is. Yeah. That, yeah. What, what other characteristic could there possibly point to? Right. That so make what you is, man? Yeah. Right, what does it mean? So, you know, my, uh, motivation in doing this yeah. and writing this book and then, you know, um, having this podcast trying to get these thoughts across is yeah. to provide to younger guys mainly a reminder or not a reminder try, try to younger guys kind of a blueprint for yeah. what it is that we're called to do as men to be many event centurions right and it and also it's a reminder to guys my age and your yeah, age I was just gonna say you know this is a reminder man this is yeah. not permanent right but also here is a set of you know arguments Right, that you can make like uh, like a bunch of YouTube videos. Ah, you don't believe this? Look at this. Right ah, here, watch so, it. Yeah. Right, that's right. So it's a way of thinking uh, and expressing oneself that um, that I will hope will be helpful to guys to sell this idea, which I think needs to be resold. Is that men are born for a purpose? Yeah, and that purpose uh, is specific and not random, and that if we abandon it we've abandoned the people to whom we were born to serve. Yeah. And that cannot happen if we expect um, the miracle of what this country is to continue. Right. It's um, <clears throat> so a couple things. One uh, that I'm glad you said a reminder because that's kind of where, where I was heading in my brain a little bit too, is just, just this, you know, th- you say it all the time, but this idea that we need to stay in the fight, stay in the fight. You know, we got to stay in the fight. Don't look. The pendulum, the cycle, whatever you want, whatever metaphor you need there to to point that up in your head visually, right? The pendulum is gonna swing. It's swinging. Period. Right. It's going to swing. Now, the question I think becomes: Are we going to be the kind of guys that you know grease the the fulcrum, or are we going to try and stand in the way and and keep it from swinging? Because I guess it's possible to slow it down. I don't think it's possible to stop it from swinging the other way, but, but the the cycle's coming around again, and it's not a which side are you on entirely, but at the same time, it's a, hey, remember that things are good, people are good, and and we can come through all of the challenges that we have. Like, we weren't designed to fail here. No, I mean, there's, it's, there's it's, no- it's a... I'm going to 
I'm going to push a little bit on what you said. It's not so much that people are good as people are what they are. Right? Okay. Right, that nothing has ever changed, that there's no... These ideas that are coming from the culture right now are not new. They're just repackaged. And, sure. And that the our obligation as men has not changed. Fair. I guess when I say people are good, I now I do have a, a personal belief that I think, you know, you can be screwed up along the way, but everybody was born good. That's just my, I mean, because I think there's enough nurture out there that can, that can screw you up, but I don't think you were born to be evil necessarily. But that's just my opinion. But regardless of that, and we all are born to play a role. And uh oh, we're gonna. I can, no, I wasn't. <laughs> he's I, making the Dave face. No, <laughs> I. I don't think it matters. But that's what I was just gonna say. It's is, not essential. Regardless to, of that, right? Ind- independent of that, the point is, is that that uh, that I got off topic because I can't remember what. I was it's not say. off topic, but I want to p- take it up because it illustrates a, a later theme in the book. Okay, which is that the minivan centurion has a few essentials. Sure. You know, this is the Augustinian code. Code is called like. In those essentials, there must be unity. And in the non-essentials, there's liberty. In other words, you're free to think what you think, right? Right. But in all things, there's charity, right? So in the essentials, unity, meaning we believe the same things. Right. In non-essentials, liberty, meaning you're free to think what you think as I am. And in all things, charity, regardless of what you think, it's my obligation to be charitable towards you and you in reverse, or or the middle won't hold, right? Right. So you... Your worldview is slightly different than mine in places. And sure. to me, that's a non-essential Fair. to our continued collaboration. And, I, and I, Well, then let me finish the thought all the way to the end, because I think maybe it ends up in somewhat the same place. And that is that because I believe that, yeah. uh, my hope is then that men look and go and think and, and don't get despondent. And I guess that's really what, to me, that's that's the big thing is to go, hey, the evil's not going to overcome. The evil's not going to win. Sure. Like, that's not... That's but not we, don't, we don't have to have unity of thought on all right. things to, to recognize that we're under attack. Right. You know, we can come together and lock shields and fight off the foe without first pausing to say, well, here's 99 theses to which you must subscribe or we're sure. not going to fight together, right? And I, that, that's, that's a theme of the book later on that... You know, this is what the splitter does, and the splitter is the person who whose whose interest is to see the to see the group come apart right. for various reasons. Whereas the minivan centurion is the opposite. His goal is to keep the group together at all costs because it's together that we stand. Sure. And the minivan centurion is flexible of mind. He has a short list of essentials so that he can gather together with more men. This is really the heart of what America is, right? Yeah. We have very few essentials from a governmental standpoint. You know, um, it's designed Actual that essentials, way. yes. Yeah, well, yeah. you don't need an adjective. We have very few essentials, right? Well, I, I guess the there's just a lot of debate about what the essentials would be. Okay, sure. Um, also, yeah. But I, I think most of that debate is subsumed into the idea that everything's essential, and that's what an orist that's would my, say. Okay, that's where I was kind of right. going. Yes. That's right. So that the yeah. orist is someone who sees everything as essential right, and requires unity, thus, on everything, whereas the andist has a very short list of essentials, doesn't require unity on anything outside of that, and right. doesn't hate you because you disagree. Sure. And the andists are the one that hold the middle. 
Yeah. So that's downstream from where we are right now. Yeah. But it's but hard to separate out that theme from, you know, it, where I think we're going. I was like, because in my mind, actually, that's kind of one of the big, big overarching right. themes of And there of are, ours. there are big overarching themes here. And it's the per, it's the point of what motivated me to do this was to say, whereas the Q source and free to lead, free to lead first is first and foremost is to describe what F3 is and how to right. do it. Right. Yeah. The Q source is a prescription on how to be a, a virtuous leader and gives very specific advice mm-hmm. about how to do that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really a, apply itself to a way of living, right? It's so just what, a framework for you. It's to a kind framework, of, right? Yeah. Whereas the minivan centurion identifies a particular person in a group who's a centurion, what we call today a minivan centurion, right? Um, and also identifies other particular types of people that I believe are mm. out there mm-hmm. who have different motivations. And I'm, what I'm trying to do is separate those people and help you help the reader um, discern between the two so that they can be a better minivan centurion and hold the middle and hold the middle. Because if the middle doesn't hold, we're lost. You know, that's the, that's the underlying thing. Yeah. So the credo, which is a statement of beliefs, that's why I call it the credo of the minivan centurion is just a series of, of, of belief statements of beliefs that um, the mini venturian centurion would hold. Um, first and foremost, being you know the middle must hold, right? Yeah, the middle must hold. And um, this is not the first time that the middle has been under a threat. Sure, I mean we had a civil war. I, uh, I've read about it. That's right. Yeah. you know, and you had orists on the one end, uh-huh. which were the slaveholders, and orists on the other end, which were the abolitionists. Right, and neither one of them wanted to be in a nation with each other and wanted to see the other destroyed. Yeah. And it was the Andists like Lincoln who preserved the union. Yeah. Who sought a way to, um, to stay on what I call the compromised adventure. Yeah. It's like you must compromise certain things and you just have to figure out for yourself whether they're essential or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that is a leadership challenge. It's like the, you know, men first mission always, or mission first men always. And we say that, and, well, how do I know? How do I know? And like, that's what leadership is, right? <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> right, how do I, you know, and we'll talk about it more as we go forward, but mm-hmm. how do I know what, what the essentials are? You know, right. how do I know How that? do I identify? How do I identify yeah. those? You know, how, where do I make my stand? You know, yeah, for, and how do I know, is this the hill to die on? That's right. Lincoln's stand was Sumter. Yeah. If you fire on a, on federal property. Guess what? you have violated an essential and I'm going to act. Yeah. That was, that was what it was for him. You know I mean? And, and uh, all of us in our lives in a micro way have those essentials, you know, like eh, I'll compromise this. I'll, I'll compromise that. Mm, that one I won't. Yeah. On that, on that ground, upon that ground, I shall fight and I'll shall gather together as many like-minded men as I can to do so because I believe that's virtuous. So that, that these truths, you know, to quote the declaration um, are self-evident but they're not self-generating. So in other words, it's uh, easy. Yeah. It's easy to be, to allow the fact that we've lived such lives of liberty and freedom to convince us that that's, that's our natural state rather than an unbelievable exception, both temporally, like in the, from the dawn of time, mm-hmm. and geographically, like where we are now and for the rest of the world. The the number of people that have lived in the United States of America under freedom since 1776 or 1789, if you take the constitution, sure. 
is a drop in the bucket as to the number of people that lived on the earth from the dawn of time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in all of history. The great overwhelming majority of people have lived under some form of tyranny and despair. Yeah. Only Americans have lived these lives of freedom and prosperity, and there is a reason. And I'm fearful uh, that that reason has been lost. Mm. And I, I want to join the ranks of what I consider the very few who are saying, stop, wait, look at this. Mm-hmm. This is... This is the foundation of our freedom. This is worth fighting for. These are the essentials. So the credo of the minivan centurion, in a sense, is a listing and description of the capital E essentials. Mm-hmm. Those things by what those things by which we must live if we want to preserve life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness in a nation where three hundred million people work together and live together, rather. Yeah. So that, at the end of the day, is what it is. So Franklin. <laughs> I was just going to say, so what's the song? <laughs> can I tell you something? Uh, you can. <laughs> you got a face for radio. Dread, this is yet another podcast. It is. It is. <laughs>